Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm chatting with the senior editor of Baltimore Magazine. Please welcome Ron Cassie. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. Um, so, you know, I prefer that the guests, when they come on, really get in there and introduce themselves. I can't do it as well as the guests can do it. So I want to invite you to introduce yourself and tell us how you got started, maybe your first experience in journalism. Uh, my first experience in journalism, I, I came to journalism late. Like I was um, like 40 years old, almost 41 when I got my first full-time job. Um, um, I was a bike messenger in DC. I, I After high school, I did construction work and attended bar and I uh, got really sick of that and, and became a bike messenger in DC. It was nice to be outside and um, decided kind of to go back to college and stuff and wasn't sure. I tried to, I did some painting, took, I took pictures and um, I wasn't sure I was gonna, ever going to be good enough at those things to make a living. So I kind of turned to writing. And um, the first couple of stories I did were about my bike messenger buddies in DC. I, I had a buddy who was um, a mountain biker, raced mountain bikes. He bought like property out in Shenandoah mountains and dug a well and built his own cat log cabin. And it was just like an outdoors guy. Um, another buddy um, competed in uh, um, Ironman triathlons yeah. and he was in his early fifties, but he was like top three in the country. I mean, he was like wow. world class and he got his he was retired military. He had survived like stage three, four cancer. He was like a legit Lance Armstrong, sir, but without the, you know, <laughs> doping yeah. <laughs> yeah and he has biking and is a bike messenger captain tom we called him because he was a he'd been a captain in the u.s army um so i wrote a story about him for a magazine dc metro sports there was a bicycling ma magazine called spokes magazine i started doing some freelance writing for on the in the park in dc uh mcpherson square on, on on friday nights after work we'd get some beers and guys would smoke some pot and stuff and, and we'd bang around playing bike polo to all hours of the morning after work. And um, this is after a whole week of bike, being a bike messenger. <laughs> and I wrote a story about bike polo for this magazine. <laughs> that was, that was my foray into, into journalism. Really. That's, <laughs> that's great actually. Yeah. So, so taking it from those experiences that you have, I think it's like, one of the things is easy to, to talk about, to write about, to provide content around is, is that is, is are there maybe some stories or some like lessons that you've learned from those previous jobs before, like going into journalism that you may rely back on or like, oh, this is a funny story or this was an interesting approach to storytelling that you apply to your your, your work now? You know, I, I think the, the jobs I worked like um, like I worked in a factory in high school in the summers and stuff and, and framing houses and swinging a hammer and and. Um, you know, tending bar and all, and being a bike messenger, like just that your normal interaction with people, you know, like um, journalists, people who write into journalism forget that like people have no obligation to talk to you, you know, true. and you're, they're, you're, they're doing you a favor, you know, like it's my job to write the story. I'm the one who's paid to do that. Not, it's not their job to tell me, they're helping me do my job. And so I'm always really grateful when people share a story. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really grateful because I, I came to that on the other side of that later. And, um, you know, I think being a little older, you, you, everybody, as my mother would say, um, nobody gets through life unscathed. And so, you know, you, 
I had been divorced. You know what I mean? Like I had lost loved ones. And and so you're a little more, um, I don't know, you know, I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. And, and, um, and so I don't know, just my storytelling, like the things that I'm really interested right are from the ground up, organic mm-hmm. stories, neighborhood stories, people stories. I mean, I look at things systemically when I do deep dives into things, but I'm not really interested in writing about rich and famous people. You know, I mean, partly they're very guarded and they've done this a million times and you're not really going to get, you're going to be less revealing, less open with you. Sure. Um, now that said, I've, I've interviewed famous people, well-known people who have been very, very kind and open. There's no distance between, but um, so in general, my, I think my approach to stories, like, you know, I written about general motors, the last auto worker, at General Motors, you know, the last auto worker in Baltimore was the title of one story I did. Literally the guy that turned out the lights at General Motors. So in White Martian, I think it's more the things that like, you know, like I'm interested in, I guess. And, and um, you know, my my approach, I, I think those other jobs helped me with. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I So so this is a question that I, and I'm going to frame it a little weirdly, I think, but this is a oh, question. I'll, that, I'll, I'll interrupt myself. Yeah. Or, sorry. Please. Actually, being a bike messenger, because um, I still ride a bike everywhere. That's my main form of transportation. <laughs> this is 20 years later now. But like, I had an interview this morning over in Locust Point. I live up Urfell, so I rode my bike, I, which really is great because you see things without a 2,000-pound metal box around you, without a windshield. You feel all the bumps and divots in the pavement. Yeah. You feel the wind. Um, you see graffiti. You can have a conversation at a stoplight when somebody's standing there because you're on your bike. You know, you can do all these things. And um, so that that has helped, I think. I mean, I, I love the experience of being on a bike and being outside in the city. And um, that hasn't changed. And that, hey, you know, all of a sudden you see horseshoe pit somewhere and you're like, people play horseshoes here? You right. know, you see your mural go up or so all that kind of stuff that you miss if you're zipping in and out 83. That's that's very true. I think um, I, I was uh, I think I was over there at Hopkins main campus yesterday and I was like, when did they put this up? And it was it, it just immediate their questions. And if you're doing any investigation, you're a journalist, you're, you're curious or what have you, you're going to do that extra layer or, you know, some people will kind of ignore it. But I think unless you're around it, unless you're seeing these things and riding a bike is a great example of how you can see these things. I walk everywhere. So, yeah. you know, and it's, it's just like, yeah. oh. Yeah. When did this go up? Oh, a new coffee shop. Great. You yeah. know? And, um, so I wanted to ask this one, um, anyone that's like in, in a space that they're, they're writing or they have any way to kind of present to a large group of people, news anchors, things of that nature. Right. I always ask of this, this thing of how do you kind of balance being a person that's putting out content, let's say writer, um, while being a resident in Baltimore, how do you balance that with Baltimore's reputation that's been so negative outside of Baltimore, that's been so one-sidedly negative? How do you balance that with being someone that's here and being like honest about the city, I guess? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pro-Baltimore. That's my bias. And um, <laughs> unabashedly, um and I'm going to, there's a, um, you know, uh, I'm of this, I'm of the mindset, like, if you, if you want to hate on Baltimore, you better love Baltimore first. Like, so, um, Baltimoreans can give Baltimore a hard time, but yeah. they're not from here, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give you a hard time to other people. And, and so you got to love Baltimore first. Um, 
So that's, I guess, how I balance it. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm coming from a genuine place of, uh, you know, love Baltimore. It's, it, I have a, you know, there was a guy who was an immigrant one time told me he chose to live in Baltimore and that makes him more of a Baltimore than people who are born here. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. He said America. He wasn't, a, he yeah. was an immigrant, and he said about America. He said, you know, you, I have a love, like I had to adopt this. I had to play, you know what I mean? Like I had to give up stuff to become an American. Like, so and there's something a little bit to that, but I mean, Baltimore welcomed me with open arms, you know, way yeah. back. And, and there's always, I think, space for people in Baltimore who want to pitch in, lend a hand. They want to, they want to start a small business. They want to start a podcast or write like people will, will help you. I think in Baltimore, you know, it's still yeah. things are, can still get done pretty cheaply in Baltimore as far as like, if you want to have a studio somewhere or um, start, you know, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, how about I'm pro Baltimore. Um, I, 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 you gotta love it first. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, but that's, you know, it's just like your own family. You don't shy away from the truth. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you gotta get things out in the open, be on the table and be up front, be real about them at the same time. And, Cause, I, Cause I think that's one of the things that's here too. Like when, 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 when I do this, when, when people ask about this podcast or anything that I'm aiming to do, it's just like, oh, so you're trying to do something positive? I'm saying, no, I'm trying to do something real. And that's that's really what it is. And I think that's what resonates with people. Um, you know, you can only talk to, you can talk to a certain type of people to have a certain angle to it. And you're not going to please everyone. You know that going in, but it's just like, are you trying to present from this vantage point, this moment in time and be very measured in what you're you're saying and what you're aiming for? This is the Baltimore that I see. This is the Baltimore that I live in and so on. And all of those things that may be negative or maybe those rough edges, they're, they're baked in because that's what the experience is. But this is really to highlight people who are in that arts and culture sector. And all of those things, someone's work may be reflective of, yeah, I had several relatives killed or what have you due to gun violence or you know, I also am into this type of art. I also like to do surrealism or what have you. And these are things that are baked in because Baltimore is a wild place where you can find a little bit of everything. And I think that's often left out of the conversation when people describe the city, especially people who are outside of the city. That That's why people who are here love it. People stay here and, and people like, you know, I guess like me, whatever, like keep writing about it and it's endless, you know, source of, uh, fascination, heartbreak, discouragement, frustration, you know, beauty, yeah. soulfulness, like art, all that, you know, just what you describe. I think, you know, I kind of work in two, I feel like areas, like one thing I do is like these deep investigative pieces sometimes about Keith Davis Jr. or Corruption City Hall. And then the other time, because it gets, because, you know, you, you I, these other shorter pieces I often do for the magazine that are, you know, that are part of the book and stuff, you know, you're also trying to pierce people's heart a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and so you're, you're trying to share people's stories and, and, and narratives that don't get told. So people do see that fuller, richer picture and all its complexity, um, which, you know, if, if you want to live in um, a place that's just beautiful all the time, you know, you can move to Southern California, I guess, or Boulder, Colorado or, or, or someplace, you know, but, I, I like the full, rich complexity of Baltimore, um, you know, and the, the history, the challenges, the love, like all, all that, you know. Yeah. 
So we, you know, we we've been kind of poking at it. Or have you mentioned okay. it? So 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 tell me about your first book. Um, if you love Baltimore, it will love you back. How was the experience bringing that book together? And, and talk about your inspiration for the book. Well, um, I had been doing this part of the magazine called the Chatter, which initially when I started with these three small pieces, a couple hundred words a piece that were on this page, and they were kind of like these, you know, observed stories. I'd go to a couple a month, and and um, you know the people really enjoyed them, you know, and, and, and it initially had been framed as something like a talk of the town and stuff and, and a little lend a little bit towards some things that didn't quite interest me so much when I started, but I, I tried to go to like the sneaker show in West Baltimore. I went to Vander Pearson's florist on Charles and North and, you know, um, ultimately that became the a back of the magazine and it still is called you are here mm-hmm. life in Baltimore observed which uh, I'll just, you know, I'm really happy to say that like uh, is a finalist for a national award for best column in city regional magazines. And, and so com- the book is a collection largely of these stories over 10 years um, that I didn't want to lose that. You know, I know websites go, you know, we lose things online and I've worked at enough places that have gone out of business. I didn't want to lose these stories. I want, so that was one, that was my main reason to want to publish them. And so I went through this like archive of like 10 years of work, and I took some long form pieces, but just kind of pulled out like short vignettes and, and stuff out of them. And um, yes, yeah, so that was the idea for the the, the book. It's just a, a collection of these stories I didn't want to lose. And I thought, you know, they're really a time and a place where it's me on my bike, generally, sometimes walking, but sometimes I mean, I have a little pickup truck, sometimes driving, but yeah, going to little neighborhood places where, you know, in um, Waverly at um, Normal's bookstore, yeah. you know, a woman was, who um, is uh, saving um, old tapes, videotapes from like WJZ and stuff like that. Asked people to bring in home movies yeah. and have a home movie night. And it was like people on vacation at Memorial Stadium in the 70s, like weddings. I mean, and some of that stuff, like, I don't know how many people showed up for that thing, like 15. Yeah. Man, like I know if like if she's putting this on and if and she's a um, marmy, it's called. It's a moving image archive. I knew that there would be people who cared about what they were showing and why. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of little niches I think in Baltimore. A lot of like everywhere. And if, if you find a few people that are passionate about something, I find there's usually a story there. And I mean, there are some things in the book. There are little. Stories. There are stories in the book about Barbara Mikulski. I spent time with Elijah McCummings, mm-hmm. um, Jim Palmer, with the Orioles. When he threw out the pitches to celebrate his 50th anniversary with the, with the organization, but that's not really the heart of the book. I would say. Yeah, yeah. that's that's great. I think um, just this notion of really highlighting that the history of it because I, I just think there's a lot that's like not being presented. Um, that a lot of stuff that can be. Re- represented um, unearthed. I don't know if that's quite it, but I think you know what the direction I'm going at with it. That I think often just gets lost, and you were just touching on it, like, oh, I want to keep these these pieces I wrote. I mean, I don't these can't go anywhere. And I was thinking of even you know with some of the stuff that has happened. I've done photo shoots. People have done art for this project, or what have you. Like you know, artists they want to show their love too. Hey man, I drew you man. It's like oh, this is great. And I you know asked a few. I was like. Could I put this like in a in a zine or something just, you know, to show your work or what have you from this period of the series and kind of highlight that, commemorate that and show it as like almost a time capsule. 
And I think, why not? Why not any of these things? And like, as you were describing it, I was like, let me reach out to the Afro because they're doing this black archivist thing. And I was like, yeah. why can't they do something very similar of like, you got it, your home videos, you know, people around the city, what have you, bring your, your family home videos. There needs to be more of that. There needs to be more people's stories told. Um, yeah. Here, that's. I, I think it could be a big, a large project here, and I think with within the right hands and more attention around, it could be a big thing. I really do. Yeah, Webster Phillips, whose grandfather shot for the Afro, you know, has this great website about saving his grandfather's work, his photography from the Afro, and um, yeah, Savannah Wood, I know, is working at the to save um, and build the uh, archives and and. Um, you know, one of the stories I did for the magazine was uh, on a cover story for the, on the Great Migration, you know, of, of folks coming from Eastern Shore, Virginia, deeper South North Carolina, Baltimore. Yeah. Um, a story that's largely untold in Baltimore, you know, and would be, um, we had a couple oral histories to go with that story, but really kind of tailor-made, especially with people getting older, you know, we're going to lose these stories. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, when we when we look at the the city we live in, I mean, this is this is why it is the way it is, and and these were people who came and built the city, and and um, you know, lived in our homes before we lived in these row houses. Absolutely, that was that was kind of the the energy I got when I recently did a tour. I'd never been to the BMI before, so going to the Baltimore Museum of Industry and doing the the trip there, I was like, I remember this logo. I remember this, not knowing what it was when I was a kid when it was around. I was like, wow. And um, my my girlfriend was there and she was like, oh, there's the radio area. I guess that's your space. And and kind of making fun of me knowing the podcast stuff. But seeing all of these, these logos and seeing businesses and then seeing the the story of industries that aren't even here anymore. And it's like, that can happen because it's like, we're not talking about Bethlehem steel. We're not talking about these industries that aren't any here anymore. We're, we may talk to people who were there, but they're, they're dying out and those stories are going away. And you start asking like, what was the industries here? Who were the people here? And we start losing what makes up a lot of that identity of that, this kind of blue collar city. It's almost an identity crisis is where it's headed towards because it's being rebranded, it's being reshaped. And I think some of the stuff that, you know, you were noted in covering, I think, like like using the, like covering Freddie Gray, having that coverage there, from there on, there's been this shift, from that time frame on, there's been this shift of, let's rebrand Baltimore. And with that rebrand, history starts to go away, or some people control what the narrative of what that history was. Uh, yeah, I mean, as as a writer, I mean, I think we're all working from like history and memory, you know, like personal stories, famous for their own memories. I mean, it's not nostalgia or sentimentality, right? It shows us how we got to where we are today, where we were. And it's actually the thing that shows us where we're going. If we know where we've been, we can we can look at where we're going. If we don't know where we've been, how do we know which direction we're headed, you know? Um, so, and, you know, as people point out, like as a city, Right. We what do we have to offer Baltimore? You know, it, it's, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like um, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Boston, you no know, great port cities. But we have this great history, this beautiful, unbelievable architecture and churches and and stories. And um, this is very much, you know, we have walkable neighborhoods, you know, really, we, if we have better transit, that would be great. Um but this is really what we had to offer as a city too, is, is what we had to offer, which was, you know, you could, you, you know, 
you could live you live the great life and and when when we when the um livable wage union jobs were plentiful were all over and the city was growing there's this big tax break um, yeah. base in the city and that's you know still that 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 you know, walkable urban living on the waterfront, you know, we're still got a great port. We're still, you know, between the North and South and we're, we're it's, it's a quick shot from Baltimore out 70, out the trains, out to the Midwest, you know, we still have great geography. Yeah. And, you know, how do we utilize all that to, to, to grow in the 21st century and heal and grow and everything? I think, I think, you know, history points a way forward too. you know, um, I think a lot of like the churches that like in Southeast Baltimore, you know, these beautiful churches, but they're around the city that are largely empty, you know, like on Sundays. I'm not preaching that people go to church, but these community gathering spaces, these these, these spaces yeah, that yeah. knitted communities together, that life were built around. And, you know, I think as we talked a little bit before this, like places like the Impact Hub or the Creative Alliance kind of step into that space and and are become community building centers as well. And, and um so yeah, I think I think understanding so just I don't know, celebrating for the sake of celebrating, but you know, um I mean people came here and had tough stories too, you know, like the people live in the house that I live in, yeah. I guess that you live <laughs> that far away, they didn't have like electricity and plumbing in the house, you know, like there weren't cars or a paved street out front, you know. So um we can we can romanticize some of this stuff too. And that's the other great thing is when you actually read archives, firsthand accounts, or you interview people who are older like they'll give it to you straight you know like and there's benefit in, in that too it's not like it was necessarily easier before right yeah. like so i got i got two more real questions for okay. you and then i got my rapid fire ones okay all right so this one is one i've been working and i've gotten some i've, I've worked in recently and i've gotten some interesting uh, responses on it how do you embrace your strangeness and by that i mean what are those unique qualities that you have that make you unique to your field Oh, my strangeness. Yes. <laughs> I think, you know, I think, um, uh, wow, I, somebody else should speak to about you about my strangeness, <laughs> I feel like. I think, um, you know, part of my, I guess, strangeness is coming to this all later in life, not going, graduating from college, so I'm 39, and, you know, I've, you know, gone on to go to graduate school and stuff. Um, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is, you know, I, I like people, you know what I mean? Like, I think I, something, you know, when people sh- reveal a little bit of their soul to you, you know, or open, you know, you, I'm one of those people that you can't help fall in love with them a little bit. You know what I mean? And that can be a Rosie the River who's 80 some years old talking about the house she got married in over in Essex, you know, and yeah. she still lives in her kids are gone. Her husband's dead. She still lives, you know, like when people are just forthright. So I don't know if that's strange. I have, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like part of it is I'm very outwardly 100% normative, you know, heterosexual, white, male, middle-aged, but none of that is what I gravitate towards. You know, it's all the other things that I gravitate towards, you know, like I don't learn anything from talking to other people who look like me. This is not even a conscious decision. I should just, just say that I naturally. Um, so I think, uh, other, uh, people who know me professionally would, would say like my curiosity is the strange thing, you know, that like, it's just, you know, unending a norm, you know, it's just like, that's all I do every morning is get up and learn as much as I can about what's, and the things that I'm interested in also, like 
I really should have failed high school, all my high school science classes, but I've done stories on like how the Hopkins scientists are trying to like knock down asteroids before they hit, you know, like, and I've done stories on the guy who's sculpted, you know, um, the, um, this, this sculptor, James Reader sculpted the Billy Holiday statue. And I'm interested in that. And, and just, um, so I, I think readers of Baltimore Magazine probably, I, I, don't, I wonder if some of the people want to make of me because I write about like, you know, um, people from all walks and strange, there's no seems to be connectedness to it, you know, except something has piqued my interest. And I think, oh, that's wild. Or something pisses me off. That's the other <laughs> reason I write about things. So if something has pissed me off and I think people should know about it, or like I'm excited about something and that people should know about it. Like, um, those those maybe that's the strange thing. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's 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 baked. The reason I'm laughing because uh, people who know me as well, like outside of this, it's like yeah, that interests you. You were really into that conversation, weren't you? Or that bugged you? So you had a lot to say about it, didn't you? I was like, it did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, having having those those strange interests um, interests and um, as you said, I think either and very early on. Um, you know, that interest in uh, trivia, same, same. So I, I definitely, if I can learn something new and learn something like kind of weird or quirky or what have you, like um, it was this shark that I learned that could be like f- 500 years old and it has a parasite that comes out of his eye. I'm like, oh, let me do a deep dive into this. Yeah, I mean, Evan Woodward, right? The salvage art guy yeah. goes down into the the, um, you know, the old outhouse. They're like 20 feet down, you know, and pulls out privies, yeah. bottles and, you know, and, and he discovers how people live based on what's in the bottom of their toilet from 150 years ago. Like that's wild. But I'm also interested, like, you know, I, I remember seeing like these Russian dashboard cams of catching like a meteor nearly hitting like, you know, Siberia and being like, holy crap. And, and then doing a little reading, like, you know, there's some woman who's on her couch in Alabama and one hit her TV, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then I learned there's Johns Hopkins scientists trying to land an aircraft on an air asteroid so it can potentially blow it up before it hits Earth. Like, that is the plot. Yeah, of I want to know about up. this. Like, I don't know, <laughs> but you know, I'm interested in, uh, um, you know, the upcoming trials around Marilyn Mosby and Keith Davis Jr. in the city too. Like, deeply yeah. interested in, in those like really pertinent issues in the city, and and um, you know what can we do about vacant homes and and the crisis and, you know, say crisis in policing, but it's a crisis in like, you know, how we get police. Like, so all of that stuff, I don't know. It's called, it's called being well-rounded. And uh, with that being said, you know, you kind of answered that last one. So uh, in it, um, I want to hit you with the rapid fire ones. I got a couple for you. Okay. Um, So, the first one, uh, and you know how rapid fire works. I don't need to get, get into it. Uh, mm-hmm. So finish this sentence. Baltimore is. Greatest city in America. Damn right. Uh, <laughs> um, in three words, uh, could you hit me with, um, it, don't have to, it doesn't have to be like a three word sentence, but three words describe the real culture of Baltimore. Eclectic, um, black, unpredictable. What's your favorite book? Dharma bums. <laughs> and lastly, this one I think is a funny one. What is your preferred uh, mode of showing appreciation? Is it a snap, a clap, a whistle? What do you do when you're like, that was really good. Bravo. That was nice. What do you, what do, you do? I say thanks. Nice. I say thanks a lot. I mean, I, I'm really a grateful human being to be here and being, um, you know, able to pursue my 
strangeness of my curiosity. I'm really <laughs> fortunate. And I say thanks a lot. Thank you for having me on, man. Thank you for coming on. Um, that's that's pretty much it. So I want to invite you to plug away, plug shamelessly, plug, do what you do. Um, thank you for being on this podcast. But I want to invite you to tell people where to check you out. Um, in uh, in Baltimore Magazine, social media, all of that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I want to give you a shout out too, and and um, on social media and the magazine, and and um, yeah. So let me let me know when it's going up, and I can note people, and I'll share that I was on and everything, and yeah. Um. It's great. It's great. To, it's great to meet you, man. Really, after all this time. Absolutely, this was great. I didn't see a lot. Like, I think one of the hesitancies—not hesitancies—but like, I didn't see a lot in your bio on your on your thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll find out more. I'll get back. And yeah. like, I don't. So texting is always the best way to get ahead, get to me because I'll just text back. Because if it's an email, I'm like, oh, I need to think about that and respond. And then it just gets <laughs> lost in the tsunami, man. It just. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll wrap up there. Okay. And um, yeah, this is this has been great. Um, so I want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee for Ron Cassie saying that there's art, writing, journalism in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>